And um, I want you to uh, get your O-level or GCSE thinking on. And uh, think if you know any words in another language at all, uh, some of you, I know Angela's going to struggle because she can speak about 17 languages, but uh, other, others might be on the bonjour, ça va level. That's okay. Um, if you don't know what that is, then... Um, um, I can't help you anymore. <laughs> um, and what I'd love us to do is just in a sort of a chorus, um, sort of say, hello, how are you? Um, have a nice day. Whatever you can manage in sort of simple in another language. If you can't do another language, try a dialect. Get your, get your accents out. Give us your best Welsh accent or um, Scottish accent or, or some other. Is that right? We're, we're going to have a communication exercise. So uh, on account of under toi, uh, we're going to parlay uh, whatever language we may happen to know. Are you ready? Un, deux, trois. Bonjour, ça va? Ça va bien, merci. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how many languages we had. Hands up if you were in French there. Hands up if you did German, Spanish, Italian. Oh, some Italians. Very good. Uh, Slovenian. <laughs> how about uh, Uzbekistani? Do they have a language? Russian? Any Russian? Any, anything non-European? Arabic. Ooh, very nice. Latin. <laughs> Latin. Does that count? Is that That's fantastic? It's a vero. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> very good. All these amazing languages. Well, I do have a seat. We're, we're, there's a reason for that exercise. Not a particularly good one. I mainly thought you'd been sitting down too long um, and might want to participate. But we're, today we're going to be talking uh, on the subject of God speaks your language. God can communicate with you. Uh, So let's pray as we engage with his word this morning. Father, thank you so much that you are a God who communicates to us in ways that we can hear. And we pray that this new year, that you will communicate deep into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, Christmas is nearly finished. You may have thought it was already finished, but it's actually nearly finished. The 12th night is coming up. And... Um, We come into the season of Epiphany, and in the church's calendar, Epiphany was usually about one of two things, either the visit of the Magi to Jesus or the baptism of Jesus. And today we're going to try and encompass that entire time span in Matthew's Gospel into one fairly short sermon. And we're going to look at six characters that God spoke to and ask the question, how does God communicate? And how can he communicate to me this year? Hopefully that's a a useful question for us at the beginning of the year. And the first characters were those read about in uh, in our reading in Matthew chapter 2. It's on page 966, if you're following in the church Bibles, 966, Matthew chapter 2. And it says that Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and said, Where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star, uh, the best translation is when it rose, we saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. Uh, who were these people? Well, we've been told that they're most certainly uh, men, because if they were women, they would have bought better presents with them. <laughs> Some Something with nappy cream or something like that. Now, these guys brought ointment for his death and, and other sort of smelly stuff and some quite useful financial support. So we, we're surmising that they're men, but it's never actually said in the passage. It certainly doesn't say that they're kings, and it doesn't say that there are three of them. But they nevertheless came to worship Jesus because they saw something in the stars. Now, if you know your Old Testament extraordinarily well, you may know that it's banned to do astronomy. 
And that's one of the things that God says, don't, don't do. Don't try and work out what's going on from the stars. But nevertheless, bang here at the beginning of Matthew's gospel, some people looking at stars from a different culture, from a different place, a journey of perhaps two years away in the planning and executing, see that something is happening and they come to worship Jesus. And I think that this is an extraordinary thing for us, an extraordinary encouraging thing for us as we think about how God might communicate to people out there in our time, in our day. Now, one in three people will have gone to church in December in our country for carols of some sort. That's an encouraging statistic, isn't it? One in three people, but 66% of people won't have been anywhere near a carol service, not even on the, on the fringes of the Christian understanding uh, of God. How does God intend to communicate to them? Well, the good news is that God does. He does. That's the first thing. He does intend to communicate to all sorts of people, to anyone who will listen to him. He's not bounded by their religious background. If they're serious inquirers, the mission of God is such that he reveals himself to people in all sorts of ways. If you seek me, you will find me. When you seek me with all your heart, says the Old Testament scripture. And here were some people who were genuinely seeking after what was right. And they sought in the stars. And whether it was a confluence of Jupiter and Saturn and the rising uh, year in the astronomy chart, which only happens 800, uh, every 800 years, or whether it was some other thing, they discerned that something had changed in the cosmos. And they needed to respond to it. And the people that you may see tomorrow morning at nine o'clock, whether that's at a school gate, whether that's in your workplace, whether it's in another way, I, I believe wholeheartedly for each one of those people at some point in their life, and maybe consistently through their life, God will knock on their door and say, are you going to respond to me? Do you see the signs of the times? Do you get it? Maybe they've grown up in a different culture, in a different religious environment, as the Magi had. But at some point, revelation will come. Will they respond? It's, it's available. First people who God communicates to, through the stars. Second person is King Herod. Now, King Herod is one of the most accredited um, people historically of his generation, Josephus spends whole, two whole books writing about him. We know a lot about him. One of the Caesars said, I would rather be a dog than be Herod's son because your life expectancy was considerably higher. Now, he bumped off his mother-in-law, and I know some of you would have had hard Christmases, so <laughs> we won't hold that against him. But, but he, he killed a string of people, and including in this passage, of course, the innocents, the murder of the innocents, the children under two years of age. But when the Magi come to Herod, he then calls for all the wise people around him. Notice he doesn't respond in atheism or disbelief. He calls for the scriptures. The scriptures come to him. God speaks to him through the scriptures, uh, tells him that a baby is due to be born in Bethlehem in the land of Judah. And although God has spoken to him through the scriptures, he then rejects the scriptures. <laughs> you see? It's not that he thinks that God hasn't spoken. It's not that he thinks he's ambiguous. It's not that he thinks he doesn't understand. It's not that he's not sure if there's a God out there. He sees it, he understands it, and he rejects it. 
which is probably what happens to a lot of the seeds that God scatters on the ground. They grow up on thorny, sand, on thorny soil or in stony soil, and only a few land in good soil and rise to become a, a crop yielding 30, 60, 100-fold what was sown. So God speaks to the Magi through stars. He speaks to Herod through the scriptures and through wise people, but he ignores them. The third person that God speaks to is Joseph. And in the passage just before our one at the end of chapter one, and twice in our passage, God speaks to Joseph in exactly the same way. Joseph's a remarkable man in scripture, isn't he? Jesus' surrogate father, the man who's chosen to keep Mary safe on her journey on that little donkey on the dusty road. The man who stands beside her, who is protection to her, who is an advocate for her, who stops her being stoned in her home village by marrying her, who then raises Jesus. What an extraordinary sacrificial guy. This is the guy that fathers for justice should have as their person up there saying, let's stand in the gap, let's not run away from responsibility. He's an extraordinary role model for our era in fathering even someone who's not his natural child. And each time God speaks to Joseph, it's a very, very important point, not just of Joseph's life, but of world history. The first point, he appears in a dream as an angel to Joseph and says, take Mary home. Don't divorce her. Keep her as your wife. It's my child, your right son, on you go. The second time, it's when Herod's about to try and kill Jesus, he turns up as an angel in Joseph's dream and says, get out of there. And the third time, it's when Herod's dead. And Joseph is an immigrant in Egypt, a refugee with his young family, probably spent all the gold from the Magi already. And he says, son, it's time to go home now. You can go back to Nazareth. And he goes to Nazareth and lives there. Three people God's spoken to so far. We then fast forward 30 years to the time of John the Baptist, the preacher. John the Baptist comes preaching. And he has a very, very simple message. It's shorter than my talk. (laughs) It says, repent. The kingdom of God is near. Something's about to happen. You need to change your mind about the way you've been living and turn in the other direction. Repent. Something's about to happen. The kingdom of God, whatever that is, is about to happen. The kingdom of heaven, in fact, is how Matthew describes it. It's about to happen. Turn. Something's on the edge. Things are going on that you never imagined or dreamed about. And ordinary people heard the preacher. Ordinary people heard the preacher and they turned. And they went to a river and they got soaking wet as they got shoved under the water. As they got baptized as a sign that they wanted to give up on their old way of living. They wanted to repent. They wanted to turn. And they turned. And they were changed. God spoke to ordinary people through the preacher. And the preacher was speaking uh, words that were coming from, from, from the scriptures, from Isaiah and other places. A fifth group of people God spoke to were also spoken to through the preacher. They were religious people. People, I guess, a bit like me in religious positions, religious authority positions. And they didn't like what he was saying. And to them, his message was the same as to the, to the people. But when they honed in on him, he said, why on earth do you think you can turn? 
You just keep pushing people down for your own purposes, for your own ends. You manipulate them. God could raise up other people from stones rather than let you guys look at them. And axe is at the stem of the tree that you are. God's about to chop you down if you don't produce good fruit. Someone's coming. Your time's up. That's what God spoke to the religious people through the preacher. And they didn't like it. And then finally, God speaks to someone else. And he speaks in a very different way. Because along comes Jesus, 30 years on from the baby narrative. And he comes to his cousin John and says, it's time for me to get soaking wet now, John. I need to be baptized as a sign that I'm doing what's right by God. And Jesus is baptized against John's protests. And as he's baptized, a dove comes from heaven, lands on him, and a voice says, you're my son. I love you, and I'm pleased with you. A voice from heaven booms down. You're my son. I love you. I'm pleased with you. You're my son. I love you. I'm pleased with you. So we have some very different types of communication of God communicating through people in these two chapters, don't we? What should we make of it? Well, the first thing that we should take from it is that God speaks our language. God speaks to us in the most appropriate way for us. To the total outsider, he can speak through stars in the heavens. To the person who's grown up within a religious climate, he speaks through the preacher, explaining the scriptures to them. To people in epoch-changing scenarios, he sometimes comes with angels and dreams. Sometimes he comes with a booming voice from heaven. And you might think to yourself, well, it's a new year and I'm scrabbling about in the darkness trying to work out what am I supposed to be doing with my life? I made a lot of resolutions a few nights ago and I can't remember how many of them I've broken and how many of them <laughs> I'm still carrying on with. What am I supposed to be doing? If only an angel would pop on a bicycle and bring me a note and say, this is what I'm supposed to be doing now. <laughs> that would be extra convenient and it would be very good. But let, let me ask you one, one question, one word question in response to that train of thought. The train of thought that says, if only this supernatural occurrence would happen to me. And the question is this. Really? <laughs> really? Really? Is that what you're waiting for? Because did you notice everyone who had these extraordinary encounters with God in these two chapters, two and a bit chapters, it costs them immensely. Dear Joseph had to give up his entire reputation to marry an already pregnant girl. Then he had to go all the way up to Bethlehem and then he had to flee for his life. And for his child's life, he had to leave his country and go to Egypt. It wasn't a, a, an easy jet flight to Egypt. <laughs> Going from Bethlehem. That was a hard journey, a dangerous journey. And he had to go back to a totally different place and bring up a child who wasn't his own natural child. Fancy that one? <laughs> the Magi. Presumably people of good position, good livelihood, well regarded. 
They plot a journey that takes two years to execute. Maybe two years back again. Not knowing where they're heading to. Fancy that one? (laughs) Jesus gets an extraordinary voice from heaven. But from the moment the voice from heaven comes, it's a thousand day journey to the cross. (laughs) To the cross. (laughs) It seems that these passages suggest that the, the usual way God speaks to people who know about him is through the scripture. It keeps bringing back scripture verses and it brings in the preacher. And when the preacher comes along and says, it's time to turn. The people who want to respond, respond. (laughs) And the people who hate it, hate it. When God's word goes out, it's not that hard to understand. Herod didn't have any trouble understanding God's word. He just hated his word. (laughs) He wanted to flee from his word. Someone once said, it's not the bits of the Bible that I don't understand that give me a problem. (laughs) It's the bits I do understand (laughs) that I find difficult. And over this series coming up, we're going to be embarking on the Sermon on the Mount. That's a very difficult bit of scripture to get your head around. Jesus says, don't do this, don't do that, don't do the other. And we'll, we'll look and try and understand in each stanza of that sermon. What did you mean by that, Jesus? That sounds too difficult for me. It's not the bits that I find hard to understand that are difficult. It's the bits I do understand. What does it mean to me? That the dear people of John the Baptist Day turn and repented. The Magi got on their camels and brought their prophetic presence and worshipped the baby. Joseph protects and honours the Christ child and his dear mother. They hear, they respond. And of course Jesus lives a perfect life in obedience to his father. This new year, There's plenty for us in this book, isn't there? If we find a way to get our head into it, to get our head saturated with it. Wisdom won't be hard to find. If you uh, are looking for an interesting series on wisdom on our, our Friday communion service at midday, we're going to be looking through Proverbs, trying to understand the book of Proverbs. And if you can't come along, most of the talks will end up on the website. It's worth listening to. Uh, Billy Graham used to read one chapter of Proverbs every day of his life. That means you get through it every month. (laughs) Just imbibing wisdom. So you've got wisdom to give out again. The role of the Holy Spirit, according to Jesus, is to remind us of what we've learned. If you've learned a bunch of things, he can remind you of a bunch of things. (laughs) If you've learned next to nothing, it's like going into your GCSE exam, having only started to do your revising the day before. You can pray for a miracle, but short of someone else taking your pen and writing, writing their name on yours and your name on theirs, not much is going to happen. What you put in is what you can get out. When we look at chapter 4, we discover that Jesus has memorized the book of Deuteronomy. And when he's tempted, he recites the book of Deuteronomy back at the devil. And he resists him. The main thing I wanted to say today really was that for all the people out there, 
God is able to communicate to them. (laughs) That gives us great hope, doesn't it? Great hope that whoever they are, whatever place they're in, whatever country they're in, there will be a way that in their lifetime he will try and break through to them. Of course, it's up to them and us how we respond. And that's a great hope in our mission and in our life and our thinking about how God reveals himself to all people. That's the main thing I wanted to say. It may be the main thing that God wants to say to me and maybe to you is, well, how, given that you're in a different position, a privileged position, how are you going to make sure you eat the word this year? So that the words that come out of your mouth are wisdom and you know direction and you have discernment and you know what God's calling you to do. You may find different ways for that. On the back of Beacon on the Green, there's a, there's a page of ideas on how you might want to read the Bible this year. And you may have your own ideas. I won't, I won't give them to you for you. But let's be those who listen to the word of the Lord and obey the word of the Lord and do the word of the Lord. It's going to be a great year this year. So much wonderful things are going to happen from Kaylee's uh, to new wine to, to whatever it may be. Let's be those who journey well through the year with our Saviour. Amen.